Easter Sunday, lots of stories going on. In fact, on our Good Friday service, we were talking about what led us from the stories that brought us to the cross. Usually, Easter week is consumed with all the happenings, the, the trial, the garden, the, all that stuff. And they're, they're great. We need to highlight them. But we forget very quickly who Jesus was and his character. And so we kind of uh, walked through what Jesus said and who he was. And that loving Jesus who came to mess up the mismessaging about his father is the one who died and rose from the dead. It's easy to forget some of that stuff. So today we're going to begin our time with a special video from a, uh, a, a woodworker. But before I do that, I'm going to share this little intro. This is from Henry Nouwen. When you forget your true identity as a beloved child of God, you lose your way in life. Insecure and frightened, you act not freely, but out of fear. You become preoccupied trying to please others, and you lose the confidence to be yourself. You work hard to avoid rejection or abandonment, and you may cling to people more from fear than freedom. In making compromises, you may please people but lose touch with your original blessing, the connection to the deep and everlasting love of God. Jesus announces to us, do not be afraid. I dwell in you till the end of time. Alleluia. Christ is risen, and we are no longer afraid. As we dig into the woodworker and the sealer, well, you're going to find out what that is and who they are. We're going to hear their stories this morning, so let's dive into the woodworker and see what he has to say as we talk about the cross briefly this morning. Not long ago, I would sit in my shop and, uh, and build supper tables, toys, bird boxes, whatever they were buying, I'd build them. I miss it. I miss the families, the tradecraft. I like this mallet. Oh, what an instrument. It's simple, elegant, tactile, all the power that you would want, yet with, with all the finesse that you need for fine woodworking. Seems I've traded it in for this. <laughs> Hammer's just looking to get the job done. It's clunky, it's clumsy, destructive. Tell that to the Romans, eh? The rate they've been sending me split and splintered beams back. Hardly enough time to repair before they nail some new man up on them. My wife, she thinks it's beneath me. When I told her I'd found this new work, she didn't say no, but I remember her eyes. They said it for her. They said, the Romans only pay in blood money. I managed my conscience for a while, and, and then Jerusalem was just turned upside down with the arrival of this, this teacher. My wife thinks he's the Messiah. I hadn't told her, but 
I saw this teacher speak once out in front of the temple. And his words that stuck with me, haunted me. And then just a few hours ago, they killed him. They, convenient word, when you don't want to consider whether you're involved in it. There's dozens of cross beams go in and out of that Roman storehouse, yeah? The chances that it was one of mine are really slim, right? But I can't shake any of them. And who could after witnessing the aftermath of it? We all felt the ground shake. We all saw the darkness come black as a raven shadowing Jerusalem as if night had fallen. We all heard that the veil had ripped and the graves opening up. My fingerprints are all over that cross. I can feel it. Why didn't I listen to my wife? Why didn't I listen to that teacher? I don't know if it's too late for me. But I am done with crosses. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, grabbed the stick, and struck him on the head with it. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but he had but he had tasted it and he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The woodworker. There are a lot of characters in the Easter story. We just don't think of them all. We were so consumed with the people we see that are obvious in the story, in the narrative. We are part of that narrative. I like how the woodworker said, my fingerprints are all over that cross. Literally, no, because it's hard to do get a fingerprint on a cross. But the concept of I participated. It's been asked, well, what happened on Easter? Why did Jesus have to die? I'm not going to get into the long spiel today. Because it is. It's an entire message or two or three. 
But I'll tell you this, God didn't kill Jesus. Mankind did. There's a big difference. God wasn't all ticked off with all of humanity and decided, fine, I'll just let my son have it. What parent does that? And instead, Father, Son, Spirit submitted to the cross to the wrath of man. Very different. Henry Nouwen and a few others have written about this. Brad Jurzak, I read some stuff on that he, because he can articulate really well and put into simple, understandable words. But one of the questions of, or answers to why Jesus had to die is because he was incarnate. He was human. Because you have to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Jesus had to die. Whether it was going to be at age 95 or on the cross, he would have to die in order to be fully human. And he was. And in that death, he took our death, which is such a bizarre concept. But this is the story. So that's the Friday, but the Saturday. On Holy Saturday, we talk a lot about how Jesus was abandoned by his friends, but he wasn't. He was betrayed by Judas, and Peter denied him. The other men are hiding, but the women are preparing to square down the Roman guards to go anoint his body. I wondered about that before. They knew it was being guarded. How are they going to get there? How are they going to get through? This is what baffles me. It was a woman who first told, was first told to go preach the gospel to hiding, the hiding apostles. So why does the church pretend that women can't be priests when Jesus clearly made women the first preachers of the resurrection? Something to think about. So, yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. But the resurrection, the day we celebrate today, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. He said, I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. Of course he knew that. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, here it is again, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. As the women were on their way, 
some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get into trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. And their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Let's watch this next clip of another individual involved in that part of the story. Here we go. I've said it, I'll say it again. His disciples stole his body. It's that simple. You don't have to believe it. They just did what they had to do to support their myth. Except the idea of them taking the body is almost as ludicrous as what actually happened. Okay, you see this? This is a Roman seal. Now, it may not mean much to you, but when I use this to seal anything, whether it is a letter, a deed of property, or a, or a tomb, it means everything. Whatever has this seal on it is under the supreme authority of the entire Roman government. So, these religious leaders who had this guy, who had Jesus executed, they were just convinced that his followers were going to steal his body and try to convince people that he resurrected from the dead. So they demanded that Pilate seal the tomb. And that's where I come in. So I sealed it with the full weight of Caesar himself. Then there's 16 of us standing arms length apart surrounding the tomb, right? And so this idea that we dozed off and they stole the body. <laughs> Do you know what happens to a soldier who falls asleep at his post? Best case scenario, he is beaten, burned. In all actuality, what would have happened is all 16 of us would have been executed. So no, as the story goes, we did not fall asleep and they did not steal the body. But I was paid good money to tell that story. How am I doing so far? You want to know something that is crazier than that story? That morning, the earth began to shake under our feet. And then, this enormous being appeared. It doesn't matter how hard I try, I can't, I can't do it justice. All you need to know is this. When I looked inside that tomb, 
That man who I'd seen executed in the most brutal crucifixion I'd ever witnessed Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going up to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Pause. Seriously? Doubted? After all that just happened? Oh, one of the other gospels also talks about doubt. Thomas. I don't believe it until I put my finger in his side and see the holes in his hands, blah, blah, blah. That kind of a doubt. We know people like that. There's room for people like that. There's room for everyone. Doubt is not a sin. It's not. It's called a human experience of trying to understand when you don't quite get it. Hmm. There's room for that. Some children have been gifted with doubt. They ask a lot of questions. Why? 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 <laughs> it can seem difficult to an adult, but the child is practicing how they've been designed. I was never one of those. But to doubt, to question, oh, I had questions. I just find it funny that some of them doubted. See, the book of Matthew, the narrative that I'm sharing with you today is the shortest one, I think. That's why I'm sharing, because otherwise, to try and capture all of this, there's too many compartments to share at once. This is the tightest one, and sums it up, because four different writers. I saw a cartoon of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in school getting pulled aside for detention because their papers seemed so similar to each other. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. Many have used this, and I previously did because I didn't understand wider and deeper of what this phrase could mean. It means go make converts of all nations. That's not what it says. It also doesn't say go and make Christians of all the earth. It doesn't say that. Make disciples. And it wasn't so much the go to China Go to Africa. Go to South America. That's not the go that's being implied here. People have. And it's been beautiful. People have come to know the Lord. There's been good and bad on, on all of it, for sure. 
There's some positive stories and there's a lot of negative ones. But the go refers to now, as you are going, in your day to day, make disciples. Share the love. Remember the greatest command he gave? Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. 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 What does that mean? Do I even love myself? Some of us don't even like ourselves. So how can you love your neighbor if you don't even like yourself? Maybe it's about seeing others as if it's you and love them. Teach them to obey the commands. Those are the best ones. That means we don't have to have an ulterior motive of trying to convert people. Us versus them. Your job is not lost versus saved. Your job is love. The Holy Spirit's job is to convince and awaken people. Big difference. What if? What if? This I got from Richard Murray. To confirm that Jesus' Heavenly Father was capable of killing, oppressing, afflicting, smiting, that's a favorite one, plaguing, disastering. His Father was capable of that, correct? <clears throat> and all Jesus had to do was stone or endorse the stoning of one person caught in adultery, or any other capital sin. All Jesus had to do was afflict one evil sinner with the plague. Because we can think of a few people we'd like to inflict the plague on. Strike one hypocritical Pharisee dead. I'm sure there's enough to choose from. All Jesus had to do was oppress one double-minded person with an evil spirit in order to punish them. All he had to do was smite one person with a crippling accident causing them paraplegia and, so that they would never thereafter learn humility and how to give God all the glory for their misfortune. All Jesus had to do was send one lightning storm, tornado, mudslide, or tsunami, tsunami to wipe out particularly hard-hearted villages or cities. Had Jesus done any of these things, even just one time, then anybody who dared claim otherwise would be forever proven wrong. But he didn't. He doesn't. And he won't. Somebody commented underneath this post that I liked it. One thing that hit me the other day, would Jesus heal a person only to punish them eternally in hell? There was no sinner's prayer or word said other than yes when the Messiah asked, do you want to be well? I don't think I've ever pondered this question. But why heal a person destined for hell? Or was Jesus actually pulling them from hell by healing them? Hmm. Richard Rohr, 
The cross is the standing statement of what we do to one another and to ourselves. The resurrection is the standing statement of what God does to us in return. And there's the gospel. It came to give you life and awaken you to your union with himself as Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. Christ the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. And we celebrate God's love. Do you ever think of what Jesus would have, what would have happened if Jesus did respond? Even once! Half of our movies that we see, it's about somebody being pushed and suddenly they snap. And now they've got to fix their problem and, and fight that battle again. Well, Jesus went through everything human that we have gone through. Fears, the anxieties, the rejections, physical pain, mental anguish. He lived the perfect human life. He lived it as us. So today, let's walk in thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. I like what uh, Brian Abel says, high five, as in high, and then a five, Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, remind us today in our stillness or in our chaos, you're big enough to get our attention either way. Remind us that we are beloved so that when we consider this command, not a law, a command, which is for our benefit to love your neighbor as yourself, we need to accept and love ourselves as well, whatever that means to us personally, and not project that on anyone else but our own journey. So, Father, thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.